0: Uh, with what i got to preach, but I feel like it's appropriate considering, and I'm certainly not giving the devil any praise whatsoever. I refuse to do that. But considering the partying that's going on right now, what's uh, happening out there, and how much affection and how much attention that the devil, hell, is getting. I thought it was only appropriate that we would give hell a little attention here. Alright? And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because if you think that you can go out there and meddle in things that you need not meddle in, and get away with it, you can't. If you think you can get away with halfway serving God, you can't. If you think that you can go to church on Sunday, play the world on Monday, you can't. Somewhere, sometime, somehow, you will pay. That's just the way it works. That's biblical. And uh, eventually, everybody finds himself standing before God with what they've done in this life. Luke 16 verse 24. Luke 16 verse 24. Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Thirty-one words. Luke 16:27 through 28. I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my Father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Thirty-four words. Luke 16:30. Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Fifteen words. 31 words plus 34 words plus 15 words equal 80 words of such terror and premonitions. And I am preaching tonight on the premonitions of night unending. Let's raise our hands to the Lord, Father. We praise You for Your glory, for what You've already done, for the miraculous that has been in this place. Now, I pray that You would use Your Word, God, to touch and open up hearts and to bring conviction, and bring somebody to the knowledge of the truth. I look to you, God, to do this. Look to you knowing that you will if we come to you in faith, and knowing that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And Lord, more than anything else, I want each and every one in this house to be saved. I pray that they can understand that, that they can embrace that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Do you know how powerful amen is? You know, a lot of times we fail, and I'm the first one to say that, but amen means it's settled in heaven. You should never stop a prayer unless you say amen, because you settle it in heaven when you do that. Amen. Settled in heaven. You may be seated. Eighty words I just read to you. Eighty fearful words I just read to you. Now, if these eighty words were found in a very grim version of Grimm's fairy tales, I could rest a lot easier. But they're found in the Bible. If these 80 words were found in the Old Testament, amid some gloomy prophecy about rebellious Israel, I, again, could sleep a lot easier. But they're not. They're in the New Testament. If these 80 words were in Revelation intoned over some apostate antichrist system, I could rest easier. But they are not. They are found in the Gospels, the Good News section. To make matters worse, they're pinned in blood red straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Just after the lost and found section of the Scripture in Luke 15, a lost sheep was found, a lost coin was found, and a lost son was found. But in Luke 16, it shows what happened to the lost that are not found. The destiny of lost people is an unimaginable place of horror. You think horror movies, you think haunted houses are scary. If you go to this place, friend, you're going to learn what scary really is. Are you hearing me? This is a place of eternal darkness, yet with fire. This is a place where the torment never stops. And if you don't like what I'm saying, it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Because we're going to have a church of people that are going to make it to heaven. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it to heaven. We're going to avoid this place called hell, because we want to go and be with Jesus in a place of glory, in a place of light that is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, do you believe me? Tonight, let's glorify Him. This is a place that I'm speaking of of night unending. A couple dozen years ago, Martin Marty gave a lecture entitled, Hell Disappeared and No One Noticed. And his premise was that a major Christian belief had simply disappeared in a single generation. Look around you and you'll probably agree. The U.S. magazine once asked its readers to uh, who they pictured in hell, and all the readers could only picture two people in hell, and that was Stalin and Hitler. Two-thirds of Americans don't believe in hell, so says a recent Barna poll. According to a June 19th LA Times article, the mention of hell from American pulpits is at an all-time low. Harvey Cox, Jr. of Harvard Divinity School said there has been a shift in religion from focusing on what happens in the next life to asking what is the quality of this life that we're leading now. You can go to a whole lot of churches week after week and you'll be startled even if the word hell is mentioned. Hell disappeared and no one even noticed it. The Los Angeles Times article cited previously said the tendency to forsake the fire and brimstone has grown in recent years as non-denominational ministries with their focus on everyday issues such as child rearing and career success have proliferated and loyalty to churches has deteriorated. Billy Graham was quoted that he could not in good conscience preach about a literal burning hell. Now that was a change from a man who once said if there was more hell in the pulpit, there would be less hell in the pew. That's what he once said. you understand what I'm saying? We have grown away from what eternity is. This, my friend, is a trick of the enemy. If he can get us to believe that hell does not exist, if he can get us to believe that everybody's going to heaven, there's going to be more people that split hell wide open. I, for one, intend on whatever it takes to make it to heaven. I, for one, intend to make it, regardless of the cost, regardless of the world I have to leave aside, I'm going to heaven. Oh, come on, do you believe me tonight? to hell hell is omitted people don't want to hear it consumer minded preachers ignore it hell is translated away as more translations of the bible appear hell is mentioned less and less hell is not needed universalists are are saying everyone will be saved hell won't be needed long some say the wicked are annihilated hell doesn't mean hell the shortest step to say goodbye to hell is to say fire does not mean fire Hell is then redefined into whatever a person wants it to be. As liberal theologians put nails in hell's coffin, more people are going there. You hear this preacher tonight. Within each of us stirs this premonition of hell. And we know that inside our hearts, hell has to be real. Our minds may argue it away, but our hearts never will. Never will. We know that something rotten dwells within all of us. Every one of us, we have something bad inside of us. I know I've got the Holy Ghost, but there's still me in there as well. And unless I keep this Holy Ghost well fed, me will come out. I need to know that there's a hell so I can live for God and keep the Holy Ghost working well within me. I need to know it. There's some some need within us, some dread, some foreboding feeling that judgment is coming. I know it, you know it, we all feel it. It doesn't matter what we do tomorrow. What matters is, is that judgment is coming. What matters is how I get up in the morning. and What matters is how I operate, how I live each and every day because judgment is coming. And hell can't be far behind judgment but for the shed blood of Calvary, but for His blood, we feel that we would share in that night that is unending. If it was not for the blood, if it was not for the blood, not one of us that is sitting in here right now would have a hope of ever making it to heaven. If it wasn't for the blood, every one of us would be on our way to hell but it was that wonderful shed blood on calvary that gives me hope that gives me a chance that gives me an opportunity that lets me look up to heaven and know i can be everything's going to be okay because jesus lives i can live also because of what he did on the cross i have a hope of making to heaven because of who he is rachelie a professor Denver Theological Seminary said this, it's just too negative. Churches are under enormous pressure to be consumer-oriented. Churches today feel the need to be appealing rather than be demanding. If preaching about hell is too negative, then not preaching it is a false positive. How can we say peace, peace when destruction comes, according to Jeremiah 6.14? We simply cannot avoid it because it is distasteful. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, this doctrine is indeed awful and dreadful, yet tis of God. No matter how much you don't like it, it's still of God. It's still in this, and it's still real, and it still speaks of this just as much as it speaks of heaven. Hell may have disappeared in the Ivy Leagues. Hell may have disappeared in the consumer-driven churches, but some people know that hell is for real. Some people know that hell is for real. And what do I mean by the word hell? In the King James Version of the Bible, there's four words that are translated as hell. Sheol, Jehina, Hades, and Tartarus are translated as hell. Each differ in their meanings. When I say hell, when this guy up here says hell, I speak of the sum total of the afterlife for those who are lost. For the Bible says that death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire or Jehina. So I bypassed the lobby of the wicked grave and entered the full-orbed eternity of the lost. When I'm speaking of hell, I'm talking about the lake of fire. I'm talking about the real place. So don't try to confuse me on that one. If heaven is the realm of the undeserved rewards, hell is the realm of the, uh, the the deserved punishment. That is exactly what hell is all about. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you were born with a uh, with a sp- silver spoon in your mouth. I don't care if your mommy and daddy were the best preachers on the face of the earth. I don't care if they fasted 20, 25 uh, months out of the year. I don't care how much they prayed. It doesn't make any difference to me. If you, my friend, haven't accepted this true salvation plan, you're headed for for hell. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, there's only one place for you. I don't care who you are. You can't go to heaven on mom and daddy's good works. Praise God. In our text, a rich man commonly called dives discovered the reality of hell. He had had it good in his lifetime. He had a four-car garage still building on And outside of the gate sat an old beggar by the name of Lazarus. A poor man did not have it so good. Death, the great leveler, came and tables were turned. Lazarus was carried into Abraham's bosom, a place of rest for the righteous dead. The rich man was similarly dispatched to hell. In hell, the rich man spoke 80 words. 80 words. His words revealed... So very, very much. First, he is trapped in a terrible place. I sometimes, and I've preached about hell several times here, but I probably always bring this up, but I sometimes cringe at funerals when I hear people say things like, at least he's in a better place. How do they know that? How do they know that? If the dead could speak, I would hope they would say something like, I'm in a better place but how frightening it would be if they screamed, somebody help me. Please, I'm being tormented. I'm in agony. Play games with anything you like, but do not play games with your eternity. And the thing about eternity is you don't know when it's going to begin for you. Second, I hear a man cry for mercy. In life he did not show mercy, but now he desires some. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that the merciful are blessed. And we'll receive mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Father Abraham, mercy. Can you imagine? Having never given it, and all of a sudden you need it. Imagine being stuck in that place of eternal torment and knowing in your mind that you're stuck there for eternity and begging and screaming for mercy. Knowing that there's no way that you can ever receive it. And hell obviously has a way to see out. I don't believe anybody can see in. Abraham could hear, but he couldn't see in. And it didn't say Lazarus even responded. So maybe it was just a special time. Just a special time for this particular story. All Lazarus had desired in life was a few crumbs from the rich man's table. Now all the rich man desires is a drop of water from Lazarus' finger, parched and tormented. According to the Scripture, hell is to be feared, according to Luke 12. To be avoided at all costs in Matthew 5. A fiery furnace in Matthew 13. A lake of burning sulfur in Revelations 20. Everlasting, 2 Thessalonians 1. Unquenchable, Matthew 2. Eternal, Jude 1. Filled with suffering, Matthew 8. For those who go there, it would have been better had they never been born, according to Matthew 26. Jesus said it would be better to go lame and maimed into heaven than intact into hell, in Matthew 5. In other words, whatever it takes... Whatever it takes, I have to be saved. Whatever it takes. You see, I have only got this life right now. And you know, I I know you get tired, especially if you're young, but you are young right now, the one sitting in front of me. You are young right now, and you think you've got an eternity to get it right. You don't. This life goes way too quickly. Young men die. Young women die. Some may say, I can't believe a living God could do such a thing to a person. Well, would you believe Jesus if Jesus said it? Let's look at the New King James Version of Matthew 10. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him. And that Him there has got a capital H who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And if you notice that capital H, it says fear Him. Fear God who is able to destroy soul and body in hell. Robert Ingersoll, a famous lawyer and atheist in the latter part of the 19th century, once delivered a blistering lecture on hell. He called hell the scarecrow of religion and told his audience how unscientific it was and how all intelligent people had decided there was no such place. A drunk in the audience came to him afterward and he said, Bob, he said, I sure liked your lecture, like what you said about hell, but, but Bob, I want you to be sure about it because I'm depending on you. He's depending on this atheist to be right. You may have good friends that say, how do you believe in hell? You have good people out there right now that say, why don't you participate in Halloween? It's just an innocent thing. Are you going to depend on them to be right? Are you going to depend on them to be right? When this thing has been around for a long time and it's proven to be right over and over and over again, are you hearing what I have to say? This thing is real. This is right. This is the only thing we can depend on. And God has given us this so that we don't have to go out in this world blind. I want to tell you what, every preacher in this place, people are depending on us. They're depending on us. So we got to tell them the truth regardless of whether we like to or not. this side of death, loss can obtain 10,000 gallons of mercy. You've got unlimited mercy on this side of death. But on the other side, the loss cannot get one single drop, not one drop of mercy on Lazarus' fingers. One drop, just one drop. Send Lazarus. Send him. Send the person I despised on earth. Send the person I liked the least. Send the one that I ignored. No, said Abraham, it's not possible. So there's a great gulf. In life, you were separated by a single gate of prejudice, of pride, of unconcern. But in eternity, it's a great gulf. Finally, the rich man's word revealed that he cared too late. He called for someone to go to his five brothers. He didn't want anyone to come to this place. He didn't want anyone else to have to endure this. I hear people say often, He said, I'm going to hell because all my friends are going to party there. Well, yeah, I've heard that many, many times. In one sense, these people are correct. They are. Isaiah 14 and 9, New King James Version says, hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. Hell has a welcoming committee. So if you go there, you're going to be welcomed. The doomed and the damned align themselves to greet new arrivals. Misery loves company. Eternal misery loves lots of company. So hell, according to Isaiah 5.14, keeps getting larger and larger and larger. It has enlarged itself to take in all the people that are coming. And for those of you that would like to say it, I'll say it for you. Why don't you just say it right now? Stop, preacher! I'll stop soon but not now. Don't tell me anymore. I'll stop soon, but not now. If I can somehow get something inside of you, if somehow I can communicate to you that this is real. <laughs> Preacher, I could listen to an hour of preaching about prosperity, but two minutes in hell is way too long. Lighten up a little bit, would you, Brother Robertson? Come on, lighten up. Billy Sunday once was once told... He said, Brother Sunday, you need to lighten up. Your preaching rubs the cat the wrong way. To which Mr. Sunday replied, Then let the cat turn around. The way he's facing is going to hell. I'll just put it this way. I'll lighten up when you brighten up. I will chill when your future looks brighter. I will be silent when you turn from eternal darkness to eternal light. Hell is an unusual place. It is a place of fire, but it's also a place of night black fire Explain that to me how is there black fire and i know the guy standing in front of me can explain it probably real well because he knows all about black fire hell hails from a word that means whole or hollow hell is called a pit the abyss the deep three times in the gospel of matthew jesus speaks of that wonderful day when he believed when believers enter into the joys of heaven The land of unending light. Jesus also said that unbelievers will be cast into outer darkness or the pit of unending night. Jude said the blackness of the darkness is forever and it's reserved for those who turn their backs on God in Jude 13. In the same breath, Jude called them wandering stars. Lucifer is described as a rogue star attempting to ascend above the other stars in Isaiah 14, 13. Imploded and demoted, his life became darkened by his pride. An astronomer uh, was asked about wandering stars, and he conjectured that the wandering stars could be one of several things, comets, planets, or black holes. Throughout the cosmos there are black holes from which not even light escapes. Unique combinations of fire and night. That's what they are. Outer darkness exists now in the universe, so hell is not a far-fetched idea. Not at all. Because it exists out there now. It's already there. Occupants of hell are enemies of God. They denied His goodness in their earthly existence. He denies His goodness in their eternal existence. It's a premonition. Premonitions of fire and night. Eighty words of unspeakable terror. And it reminds me of 80 souls on a boxcar. The music would start with me, please. I want you to stand. Eli Weasel described the trip the first night on that boxcar that I just spoke of. In that or on that boxcar, all the doors were nailed shut. Madam Schachter, a quiet woman, respected by his village, was one of the 80 souls. She and her 10-year-old son crouched in a corner on the first night she moaned on the third night she screamed fire shouted chapter i can see fire i can see fire she kept repeating it we said that she looked like a withered tree in a cornfield pointing out the window look look at the fire a terrible fire She kept crying, Mercy, mercy, oh that fire. She kept repeating it over and over and over again. Mercy. So convincing was she that a few people actually glanced outside only to see darkness. Someone said she had gone mad and another tried to calm her, but she still screamed. Her son was crying and he begged his mother to calm down and rest, but she still screamed of fire. Adam shacked burst into tears and began sobbing. And she said these words. She said, Jews, listen to me. I can see fire, huge flames. It's a furnace. Weasel said it was though she had been possessed by an evil spirit speaking from the core of her being. Everyone on board rationalized it away. She must be very thirsty, the poor thing. That's why she keeps talking about fire. Through the night, she would scream. She would grow quiet. She would scream again. People's nerves were frayed. They struck her to make her grow quiet. But she still cried about fire. They grew weary of trying to make her to be silent. When the train slowed down and she screamed one last time, she said, Jews, look! Look through the window! Flames, look! In the night sky, they saw flames gushing from a tall smokestack in the sky. Schachter grew quiet. The train stopped. The doors were open. Shouts came to exit exit the car. Eighty souls stepped out into the flames and the abominable fragrance of Auschwitz. Schachter had experienced a premonition of a long night. Weasel got off the boxcar and for a moment he caught a glimpse of his mother and his sister marched one way with a promise of a fresh shower and a change of clothes. They were lured into the gas chambers to be killed and then burned. Eli and his father were taken another way and they stood in line thinking it was they who were to be thrown into the fire pit. These are his words, and I quote, "...never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp, which has turned my life into one long night, seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget that smoke. Never shall I forget the little faces of the children whose bodies I saw." Turned into wreaths of smoke beneath the silent blue sky. Never shall I forget those flames which consume my faith forever. Never shall I forget that nocturnal silence which deprived me for all eternity of the desire to live. Never shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Never shall I forget these things, even if I am condemned to live as long as God Himself. Never will I forget these things. Your eyes closed. Every eye, please. Every eye. This was a situation that occurred in Germany. Burning the Jews. Innocent people. Seeing the fires go up. But their pain lasted but a moment. The pain of hell will last forever. It will never stop. The darkness will never have light again. You'll feel the pain, but you won't even understand where it comes from. The darkness will be so complete. It is said that if you turn the lights out in a room and suspend a man, completely suspend him, Arms, legs, everything, where he can touch nothing around him. And with complete darkness that he'll go mad within hours. Because he'll have no way of determining what's upside down, what's right side up. Nothing at all that he could bring bring around his equilibrium. Nothing. He'll go mad. Can you imagine eternity in that kind of situation? No up, no down. Just total darkness and pain. That's what hell is all about. The Bible says it's where the worm dieth not. The worm is likened unto the soul of a man. Your soul will never die. Your soul will spend eternity somewhere. You have to determine tonight where that eternity is going to be. This altar is open. I know we've spent some time up here, but this is an altar for people who had better make up their mind this evening that I will not allow myself to go to hell. This altar is open for those who want to make it right with God completely make it right with God don't come if you think everything is all right in your life but if you think that you need some help if you're afraid of who can destroy the body and the soul if you have a true fear of God knowing that God can can throw the soul into into eternity that it's God, it's not the devil the devil may destroy your body The devil may even take your life if God allows him to, but it's not that that you have to worry about. What you must worry about is the one that can throw both body and soul into hell. This altar is still open. My eyes are closed. I'm not even looking. I'm just going to go by how I feel. If I feel that there's someone else here that still needs to make things right with God, I'm going to continue to make a plea for you. Would you make it right? Would you allow God to change everything in your life, change your direction? change your direction. You can. He can if you will allow Him to. If you make up your mind that I want to live for God above everything else, and I do not want to be lost, I do not want to take a chance with my soul. I do not want to be lost. If you make up your mind, you can do this. You can live for God. Please hear the words I'm saying. You can make up your mind, and you can do it. But if you just sit back and think that you have time, there's a purpose that God placed us on my heart this evening. There's a reason for it. I don't know what the reason is. I'm not telling you that you're going to lose your life tonight. But I'm saying that that possibility exists for each and every one of us. Every day that we get up, there's a possibility that God's going to call our number. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because if you're not ready, there's only one alternative. There's only one place that you're going to go. And it's a place that I just preached about. Would you come? Would you come? Make it right. Determine in your heart this evening, I'm going to serve God. Be a Joshua for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord regardless. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to turn away. I plan on making it to heaven. Would you come? Foundational things, this is a foundational thing. Hell is a real place. A place that people are ignoring too much. A place the devil would love for you to ignore, but it's a place that is real. Would you come? I still, I I don't feel, I don't feel complete. I don't feel that everything has happened tonight that needs to happen. But I'm going to lay this microphone down I'm going to let the singer sing. and, And I hope... I hope that you will allow God to deal with your heart and you'll come to this altar. Lord bless you.